Ahoy mateys and welcome aboard the SS Lunchar Sports Show. I be your Captain Jake, joined as always by Sir Dan. How are you there? All right, so this is not going to land on the on the video feed <laughs> yeah. or on the audio feed. I uh, it's so tomorrow's Halloween. Full discretion. This is uh, these recorded on well, Monday night, so it's the thirtieth, and tomorrow's by, Halloween. By the time this comes out, it will be Halloween. It will. It will be Halloween. So that actually works. And um, my Google Meet filter is a is a pirate, so I've got on a lovely, nice hat with a feather and um, eye patch and all. So this is going to be on social media, though. Yes. So that's why I bring it up because you will be able to see it. You just need to go to Facebook. And you need to follow the lunch or like, sorry, I don't know how social media works. You need to go like the Lunch Hour Sports Show on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Lunch Hour Sports. And the socials will be on the podcast page as well. So let's get that plug out of the way early. Well, also, Dan, like and subscribe, follow the show, all that. Yeah, mm, do that too. There it is. We're so good at this. <laughs> Well, uh, Daniel, you know what? You know what? Um, I'm look. I'm looking forward to something. Life is looking up, mm-hmm. and, and you know why? I I owe you some wings. I've got free Taco Mac in my future. <laughs> yes, you do. Oh my goodness. Yes, you do. If you'll recall, last week we had a friendly wager down of mm-hmm. our teams going head to head: the Tennessee Titans and Atlanta Falcons. And you know. I even I I said Will Levis wasn't even playing. I was under the impression he would not play this game. Boy, did he play! He he played very much. So played very well. Four touchdowns. Just letting it rip out there. That was that was nice. Might, no, must be nice to have a good quarterback. I mean, I, I I'm gonna say he's good right now. I mean, you know that was that was one time, but I enjoyed what I saw. Would you would you care to comment on the fact that you have the coolest um, throwback uniforms that is for a brand that's not even your team's and should be property of another team? Logic aside, I love it. I'm not I'm not going to make rational I'm not going to make it rational, but they're sick. And no, the University of Houston cannot wear them. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that today. They received a cease and desist for the uh, for their oiler themed uniforms. I thought so. I didn't see that today, but I did see them reveal those in the off season, and I was like, "That's gonna, that's not gonna go over well with some people." Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it definitely didn't. <laughs> um, I think the Texans and the and the Titans should just play a game. One team wears the home Oiler uniforms. The other team wears the away Oiler uniforms. It's like a Oiler scrimmage, and the winner gets to just become the Oilers, because that brand is better than either the Titans or the Texans. So just just play a game for it. Yeah, it'll be the Oiler Bowl. The Oiler Bowl. Yeah, I'm down for that. Play it in Lucas Oil Stadium. Like, oh, look now, come on, <laughs> it would be awesome. So there we go. And then I would rather play that now, though. I like to play the Texans now. Yeah. So we can get that game in quick. I bet you would. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in the designated Oiler Bowl. I know we will play them, but what I need to if be we're doing, established. If we're doing an NFL BCS standings, NFL uh, college football playoff standings, and you want to go uh, common opponents, I mean, the Titans beat the Falcons, the Falcons beat the Texans. So you should feel pretty good about that. I like it. Yeah. 
I like it a lot. So we, we, we shall see. But yeah, no, I was very surprised. I was not expecting that. Yeah, me too. I was very pleased by it, though. I will, I will not lie. I'm glad you were. I'm glad you were. I think um, I think the Falcons are going to look back on that game later in the year and wish they had gotten that one. Uh, yeah, well, but maybe if Arthur Smith will do it, I mean, Heineke kind of looks like the guy you want right now. I mean, that was pretty different compared to what the first half of the game was. Yeah, we're I said I was going to wait till the end of the season, but we're we're done with Ritter. We're we're done. Mm. We we're moving on. Good riddance. <sighs> Ooh, we're starting out hot tonight. It just hurts my heart. It's it, <laughs> even to the point, it's even to the point where I'm like, "All right, who are we going to have to trade to go up and get a franchise quarterback this year?" Because if mm. we don't, we're we're gonna miss a little bit of a window here with a good a good roster. So tough times, tough times for the Falcons, and they'll have some uh, tough decisions to make. Um, but yeah, maybe Heineke can get us in the playoffs or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he looked good in that second half. So uh, yeah, he had me nervous as someone on he the had other me nervous. on the other side, right? I mean, he was making it happen. And uh, you know, I'm I'm glad you showed up today, Dan. Because you know, truthfully, I was worried about you this weekend. I'm I'm worried about me. <laughs> <laughs> Football tried to take my soul this weekend. It was your, your pirate costume really cheered me up. I had no warning that you were going to have this filter on when we hopped on the call. So. Oh no, of course not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> be no good, no good use in that. Yeah. Um, between my college and NFL teams, it was a not not a weekend to remember by any means. Yeah, they just they weren't looking out for you, man. No. Which I hate that. But nonetheless, um I, I mean that was not great. I'm sorry for your Tigers for sure. Um it was an interesting weekend kind of overall though. We were talking about it before we started. It was as though there was it could have been a really crazy weekend. But it ended up not. Now, there was at least one big one with Kansas and Oklahoma. Now, that, that was huge. That's the one where I was like, oh, this is going to be this is gonna be one of those Saturdays. But it just didn't really turn into one. But it was okay. There's still some good games out there. Yeah. It had the makings. There was Stanford making a push there with Washington. Yeah. And um, Indiana and Penn State. That was, that was weird for a minute. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, Arizona, they did come out and beat Oregon State, so they pulled it off. Um, so maybe I'm lying to myself. Tech against North Carolina, that was pretty, that was pretty weird. big and significant. Yeah. Um, but then you had, um, well, you had Colorado lose mightily. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe not mightily by the end score, but it was not. They were never in that game. No, it was not competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, USC just edged out against Cal. You know, that was the one that really would have made things go absolutely haywire had that gone down. Um, would it have? I mean, USC is just bad. Well, no, but in terms of you would have had at that point, what was it, three ranked teams that fell to non-ranked teams in that scenario? Yeah, I guess so. Because you would so have had yeah. Cal beat USC along with Tech beating – North Carolina and yeah. Kansas beating Oklahoma. So it was 
it was good. It was a good weekend in college football. You know. Yeah. It wasn't like historic, but it was good. It was good. You better watch out for them Cardinals. That's all I'm saying. Louisville. Louisville. They're on the rise. Well, Dan, you want to go ahead and flip this coin? Let's let's flip that coin. Let's get into it. All right. I'm calling it as I'm gonna call it as Tails. I'm gonna go back to the Go back to your roots. Yeah, back to my roots. It's Tails. So you know what? I I think you I think you need this. I think we need to I think we need to just let you have your time here, Dan. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the coin to start. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, if I'm a little, if I was a little low energy in the intro, it's because I got a lot to say. I, uh, <laughs> I've got a lot to get off my chest here. Um, that was me buckling up. Sorry, uh, no NFL credits this week, but that's because football was mean to me, and I don't want to celebrate it right now. Um, just not not willing to give it the time of the day. Does that mean that I will always not do credits when my team lo- teams lose? No. But this was just I told you I told you all, if you've been listening since day one, after Clemson lost that game to Duke, I was like, I'm not gonna go off right now, but I may later in the year if some other thing other other dominoes fall. And the dominoes have crashed and burned. We're we're here. It's <laughs> it's time for me to go off on the state of Clemson football right now. The dominoes have fallen. I said go off on Dabo. I'm not necessarily just going off on Dabo because I think there's some issues at play here that are deeper than just Dabo. People want to talk about... So so if you're not aware, Clemson has lost two straight games, one to Miami in an overtime, which was... That loss hurt, but it was like, eh, well, you know, Miami's got some good players. We, we pushed them to overtime. It just didn't go our way with some play calling. This NC State game is the one that just it's it broke something in my brain. We lost 24 to 17 against NC State. I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't watch a lot of this game. I saw maybe the first three or four possessions, and I was like, I already see how this is gonna play out. I know this team well enough by now. I I see what's happening here. It's just NC a, State, not a basketball school. Yeah, Steve, Steve Smith. By the way, Steve Smith, where did that like NC State's been a good football program for a while now? Steve Smith is just looking to stir the pot wherever he can here. He lately. is. I mean, Jerry Judy, now Dave Doran. I mean, it's just no one is safe. He's out for blood. Old he Stevie. Really is. Um Clemson's four and four for the first time since 2010. That's that was the season that they went six and seven, and they lost in the Meineke Car Care Bowl. Who could forget mm. to South Florida? Um Classic. it looked I would I would take a I would take a loss like that in a bowl game right now. Uh, honestly, that's <laughs> Clemson's four and four. Dabo was quoted after the game, just talking about how bizarre this is. He says this is just so bizarre. I disagree. Mm. I don't think this is that bizarre. When you see the team that's out there right now, you see the way this offense is anemic. It is. It's a dated offense. They come out in no different looks than, than the read option set and spread wide receivers with a tight end on either side. It's, it's extremely predictable, and these players are not being developed. They are going through the motions. 
there's just so much at play here other than the narrative that's been going around in the national media about Dabo. He doesn't want to use a transfer portal. I understand that. And a lot of people saying, well, NIL's changed things. Clemson's not doing so well, you know, since NIL's begun. I think, actually, Clemson's doing a little more NIL than you think they are. I've, I've seen a little bit of it. Mm, I, okay. I see Klubnik and Roback commercials all the time. It's so annoying. Um, it has been on my feed yeah. almost daily. I mean, Clemson's doing NIL. And, yes, Clemson is lacking a little in the transfer portal. The transfer portal could help. But the transfer portal is not going to solve – issues that are going on right now. So I've talked about this offense. It is just so predictable. It's so unimaginative. It's everything you saw from every team in 2015, 2016, running those read options with the spread sets. It's just they never get under center. They never try anything new. They never have two backs in the backfield. It's always one back on either side with a tight end. It's it's every it's everything you've ever seen a million times over that has phased out in the last eight years, but we're still doing it. I mean, still, I mean, the talent's there because they still compile 364 yards to NC State's 202, mm. and we still find a way to lose that game, I and mean, we were just getting killed in the turnover battle. What's the sign of losing the turnover battle week to week? It's, it's poor coaching. These players are not prepared. To come in, and I, I see Klubnik come in and try to make a read at the at the line of scrimmage, and it's like he studied for a test, and the teacher gave a test that, for answers he didn't study for. It's like mm. he's like I'm, he has that look on his face where he's like, I've never seen this stuff before. Like, you know, Michigan knows a guy. If you need some help there, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure he could. Old Connor could help us. Clemson, this isn't just a one week issue. We've outgained everyone on our schedule so far, and we're still somehow just four and four. Like I said, turnovers are a killer. There is a really deep issue with this offensive coaching staff right now. Every single offensive coach, position player coach right now for Clemson is someone who has played for Dabo Sweeney at Clemson and, two, has no coaching experience outside of being a coach at Clemson. That's a problem. CJ's, so I don't know about Garrett Riley. What's his? I know he just came from TCU, but what's his deal? No, he's Lincoln's brother. But was he Clemson affiliated? Okay, maybe I should have phrased that a little better. Everyone outside of uh, Garrett Riley. Okay, no, that's fine. It's my. I just was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thinking now that I didn't know that. If so, but no, Garrett Riley is still a valid point. That's one coach of the yeah. entire staff. All of the position coaches are former Clemson players for Dabo who have no coaching experience outside of just being at Clemson for this short amount of time. C.J. Spiller is the running back coach. There's a lot of other, all the tight ends coach, the offensive line coach, the wide receiver coach. They're all former players, and they all really don't know how to coach. And that's the issue when you bring in someone like Garrett Riley, but you handcuff him with a staff underneath him like this at the position level. He can't really do what he wants to do. The defense staff, defensive staff is not set up like this. A lot of these guys like Mike Reed and Wes Goodwin have come from other places, had experience in other defensive systems, and have brought in their ideas and their schemes, and they've gelled them together. They also know how to develop players pretty well. The defense has been the saving grace for Clemson in this now three-year stretch where they've been a little off. I think Dabo's smart enough to look over on the other side and be like, hey, something's working, something's not. 
but I'm a little worried that his hubris is getting in the way. He wants he's very protective of the offense. He's an offensive guy, but yet he doesn't want to be the sole commander of it. He still wants to have a coordinator to run the show, but he's I think there's a fight for the steering wheel right now. There's also a major failure to develop talent. Let's play a little game, Jake. I want Let's you to game. name. We're going to play a little game. Name every like stud Clemson player that has come out of the program and been drafted to the NFL in the last, like since Dabo's been there. So like the last 10 to 15 years. Oh gosh. Not everyone, just ones that come to mind. Um, well, he he who shall not be named. Um, just kidding. (laughs) But yeah, no, there's Deshaun Watson. Um, okay. Brian Brzee. Isn't that right? Yep. Yep. Um, great one. Uh, oh gosh. Now I'm blanking on him. Cornerback. Um, Booth, you think Booth. Booth? I was about to say Brooks. Yep, yep. Booth, um, AJ Terrell. Yep, you've got Christian Watkins, Wilkins, Wilkins. No. Yeah, you got him. Wilkins, okay. you got him. Um, his best friend, uh, Dexter Lawrence. Yep. Um, I know I'm missing somebody. Oh gosh, uh, T Higgins. Yep. Oh Every- um, gosh, Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne. There great. we go. I'm done. Trevor Lawrence. Great. Yeah. That's that's all you got. Oh, and of course Hunter Renfro. He's I mean, Hunter Renfro. He also fits to this. Every single player you just named started at Clemson in their freshman season. Most of them early in their freshman season. And I've watched a lot of these, basically all of these Clemson games. Ninety nine point nine percent of them I've seen all the way through. Minus this last one this week. This <laughs> this was an anomaly for me. I don't really know if you can definitively say that some of those players got better when they left Clemson than when they got to Clemson. Mm, so you think it's like they came in mm-hmm. already studs? Yes. But they didn't leave any more of a stud than yes. if they had just almost, you know, there was yeah. no development outside of just they were already good. They were already good. And some of these guys right now are just already good, but. We've taken the slightest little back step in recruiting. Instead of being a top five class every year, we're a top, you know, 15 to five class in that range. We've taken, there's a little bit of a depth issue, a lot of transfers leaving now, the transfer portal's open. And our offense, the system is just dated. It's just dated. So it's very predictable. The talent's not there to kind of cover up for that. I mean, I'll even say like Trevor Lawrence is probably the, overall like top recruiting and draft story that's coming out of Clemson. Trevor Lawrence's best season was when he was a freshman statistically. And honestly, just eye test, he played the best when he was a freshman. He had a little bit of a sophomore slump interception wise. It's kind of unfair with his last year with it being COVID, but like Mm -hmm. he didn't put up the numbers that he did when he first got in there as a freshman. You could say that about a lot of these guys. They just don't, develop and are they dumbing them down so let's talk about are they are they regressing let's talk about that because the play calling last year clemson ran basically the same seven or eight plays every time it was said by former oc brandon streeter that they had to dumb down the play calling it was kind of perceived that that was for for DJ, DJU. 
Mm-hmm. I'm starting to ask now, who did you have to dumb down the play calling for? Sure. <laughs> did you have to dumb down the play calling for the players? Did you have to dumb it down for this, these position coaches? Oh, that's an interesting point. That's what I'm starting to wonder. We're having to run a simple offense because the teachers ain't teaching. Mm. I'm a little worried about this. And look, Dabo was lightning in a bottle. He was a position coach that was very inexperienced, but he was just kind of a great guy who got promoted in a really weird time for the program as an interim. The players loved him. They wanted to keep him. Dabo loves that he was given that opportunity. I totally understand that. But now he wants to give everyone this opportunity. And it kind of just boils down to Dabo worked because he was a great personality and he could recruit at the level that he could. When he came in and he got some of those first few classes that were able to win national championships, it was because he was fresh, new. He was a new voice in recruiting that no one had heard before. But now the recruiting world has changed so much that the Dabo way isn't working quite as well. It's still working. We're getting good talent to come to campus, but it's just not playing out the same way. So you think maybe he's got more recruiters on his staff than he's got like real coaches? Could be some of that. Could be some of that. Like he's got good personality guys, but maybe he doesn't have all the best X and O guys that yeah. he could. And that and it can't just all be good vibes, guys. Like somebody's gotta sure. somebody's gotta design the play structure. Somebody's gotta call the plays. Like I don't know. Um and that kind of leads into this next point. A lot of Clemson fans want to defend, you know, his Dabo's um, like stance on, you know, the transfer portal and the way he's doing things. And they want to say, well, Clemson's different. We got to our level of prominence because we did things differently. I understand that to a degree. But I, but I don't really agree with it. I mean, every, you win the same way. Every school wins the same way. You win at Arkansas and Tennessee and USC and Notre Dame the same way that you win at Clemson. It's not different. So the idea that Dabo's just going to keep hiring his buddies that played for him and think that the offense is just going to click one day because we got good recruits, the recruits are going to stop coming. If I'm Cade Klubnik, I transfer yesterday. I'm, I'm out. Like some of the back and forth between them has been ridiculous the past couple of weeks. And I love that. I love Dabo to death. He's the best coach Clemson has ever had. Like, and it's not close. It's not close. He's gotten us to a level that I never thought we would be. I never thought I would see Clemson win a national championship. I've seen two. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's amazing. And I'm not this upset because we're losing football games and I'm used to winning. It would be one thing if I turned that game on Saturday and I was like, you know what? Our players just ain't got it. Like, this just isn't the crop that's going to get us to a bowl. Like, the, the talent's just not there. Dabo, hit, hit the recruiting trail next year and we'll, and we'll get them back. I so wish I could say that. But the talent is so there. It's so there. I mean, we've got over 50 four- and five-star players and we've lost. Every single game we've lost has been to teams that have less – of that talent than we do. Even Maybe Florida State. With the with with the X and O X's and O's guys like you're talking about. Yes. Yes. Maybe they don't have the best players, but they know how to the scheme. They get the most out of their talent. And that's Clemson 
honestly, Clemson hasn't been doing that in five years, five, six years. And I, I almost wanted to go back. I remember the 2017 season, which was the year in between Deshaun and Trevor, was one of the best coaching jobs I've seen from that whole staff. And it had to do because Kelly Bryant, I loved Kelly Bryant, but he wasn't an elite passer. He was a great athlete. But we kind of turned into a – we went from what Deshaun could do, a high-flying spread attack, to kind of turning into almost like a service academy, like – we were running a read option form of the triple option, and we were just gashing teams. And I was so impressed in just one season because of who was playing quarterback, they could take the system and engineer it around the talent that was on the field. Every single person from that staff is gone. They're elsewhere. <laughs> and by the way, everybody who was on that staff, other than Tony Elliott, did not play for Dabo. They had other coaching experience elsewhere. We have to get back to that. Dabo, a lot of people have been asking me, like, you know, is it time to fire Dabo? Is, is Dabo done? The words fire and Dabo should not be in the same sentence right now. That's, that's not even on the table. But we are setting up for one of the worst seasons Clemson's had in a very long time. If we, go, if we miss a bowl game or have a losing season and we go through the offseason – and there is not a clean out of this offensive coaching staff, and there's not more new ideas brought in for Garrett Riley to play with, and we have the same issue this time next year, yeah, it's going to be fire Dabo time. Because that is, if you fail to make that change, and I think he will. I think Dabo will. Because, sure. you know, faith in him. I, I do. He Last year, the, the story was, well, we got to bring in a new OC. And he went and got one. And he got the best one available in the country. Like, he's shown he's willing to do this. I think he wanted to have the blend of, well, I want to keep my guys that are Clemson guys and then bring in somebody like Garrett Riley to run them. And I think he's just seeing now that it can't work like that. It's going to have to be a full commitment to that. And I think Davo's smart enough to do that. If he's not, that could, that could be our sign. Sure. So well, stuff like this works in in high school, you know. Like, yeah, you had a guy that played, and then he graduated, and he was really talented, but maybe not enough to go play D one. So he came on and starts coaching your offensive line, mm -hmm. and then that coach goes somewhere, and then he follows that coach. You know, like yeah, high school football that works, but this is a different level. It's not yeah. the the buddy system and trying to just. I guess exclusively stay within your family tree is not really all that practical. And I I'm mean, actually see like the Saban tree. It's like guys are getting poached out left and right. Like who's getting poached out of Clem out of Dabo's? I mean, Brett Venables or Brent Venables, Tony Elliott, Jeff Scott, Chad Morris. If you go back through the years, I mean, sure. I mean, Chad Morris didn't work out, but Jeff Scott's yeah. kind of working out. So yeah, I mean, he's got some good stuff going on. Yeah. At, at USF. I I don't know, dude. It's um, but it's kind of like if these guys aren't if if they're not getting offers, people aren't trying to come and grab them. You know, I mean, you, that's a problem you just have to deal with when you reach elite status. That's what Saban's been doing for years. Like he gets a really yeah. good coordinator, he has them for one year, two years tops, and then they're gone. Yeah. Same with the position coaches. Yeah. I mean, like, and I'm not just trying to bring it on to Georgia, but like Glenn Schumann, 
I am shocked that he is still here. I mean, mm-hmm. he's made it up to co-defensive coordinator now, but he, he's been our outside linebackers coach for a few years now, and, you know, his time's coming. So there, I'm not saying you can just look at your staff and be like, oh, well, you're not getting any job offers. You're out of here. But seriously, you kind of have to look at who you have. Yeah. And if nobody else wants them, I mean, there's maybe a reason for that. The talent's there. It's not showing on the field. They, the players look confused. They're out of sorts. And I've, I honestly feel really bad for the players. Cade Klubnik should transfer, and I would support him. After what Dabo's been saying in press conferences about him the past couple of weeks, I would, yeah, go go find happiness elsewhere, sir. Best wishes for Kane. Yes. Uh, oh, man, listen, it's the beauty of college football is we can get passionate about it. We yep. invest a lot of emotional capital in it. Um, yeah, man. I mean, Clemson's not far removed. I mean, of the teams that are out there, like you have won a national title, of coaches that have won a national title, like Clemson has done it. Mm-hmm. And so I understand, you know, where you're coming from. There's a sense of urgency is like the further and further removed from that that you get, the harder it's going to be to capture that again. So it's like, hey, kind of wake up, realize we're not what we were and make some changes to get back to that before it's too late. So well, I certainly understand where you're coming from. And it's also to the credit of like part of me feels like Dabo's not going to want to make changes because he's like, well, I've done it before and not too long ago. So that kind of worries me too. <laughs> like, yeah, but and you have to recognize that the game is changing. And I'm yes. not saying Dabo should throw away all his preferences or morals, whatever you want to call them, and just you know do what everybody else is doing the exact same way. But you can do it your way. You just have to do it. He's, yeah, he's, you're if yeah. you're not going to do it in those areas, you're going to have to make sure all those other areas are stellar. Yeah. and taken care of. And, you know, you you cannot play the full NIL transfer portal game, but you got to make sure everything else is top-notch. Yes. you got to make sure your recruits are prepared enough for every game that they don't want to leave. And that's not happening. Yeah, it's where we are now. It's college football now. Yeah. All right, that's it. I'm done. Well, I empathize with you, Dan. Thank you. And, um... Football I tried hope, to I mean, kill me. They tried to kill me this weekend. It, your Tigers to your Buffaloes. My Buffaloes, my West team. Oh. That's why I was worried about you, Dan. Of course, we were texting shortly after all of that, and you you made the comment of, at least I've got my Buffaloes tonight. They got throttled. They got... <laughs> oh, and Scherzer just took a ground ball off the butt. Or not oh, a ground no. ball, hopper off the butt. Oh, goodness. I, I, yeah, we didn't preface that in the beginning. I, I've got I've got game three up over here. Adolis Garcia just threw someone out of the plate. Didn't quite see who. Well, uh, hey, that's a great there. segue. It is a great segue because that is my coin toss is a little World Series. Where are we? Like catch up and where are we at? And um, it's been fun so far. Yeah, they showed replay him directly on the right cheek. I mean, <laughs> something jumped up and bit me. <laughs> oh me well some would say that Scherzer needs a kick in the tail uh get back to what he's been doing but he needs about 15 Dr. Peppers <laughs> would you like to see um, 
I told me it was a million dollar wound. I ain't seen a penny come from that. I think that the government keeps up. <laughs> what a film. What a film. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm, I'm going to make this quick. I'm just checking in on the World Series. So, of course, game three happening tonight. We are two games in, and it is one and one. Um, game one was just exactly what you want. I mean, that was World Series at its finest. Amazing. All-time so classic good. game. So good. Just good baseball. I mean, extra innings. You had the the homer there in the bottom of the ninth to, to tie the game. Corey Seager just, I mean, and you could see him unleash. Just oh, yeah. like him and the whole stadium went berserk at the same time. Um, but, yeah, man, that, that game was fun. A lot of back and forth. I, I tell you so far – I'm not so sure, I guess, whether to be impressed or concerned with the Diamondbacks pitching because it seems as though they keep getting into these type spot, these tight spots, but they continue to get out of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of concerned, but also impressed. It's like they get in there, they get two on, but then like they wiggle out of the jam. Um I'm impressed with Merrill Kelly. Um and that kind of goes that kind of goes back to the the Phillies game six in the NLCS. Um that kind of led into his performance in game two. Uh, I know I'm kind of getting us off track with no, you're good. We were talking game one, but yeah, um, I almost feel like there's not the full book out on gallon, but there's a little bit of a hitters are getting to gallon a little bit. Um, he was still able to salvage that in the first start, but yeah, the diamondbacks pitching, you're right. It's, it's both a weakness and has it's, excuse me, it's both a strength and has been at times in weird moments a weakness. And yeah, it's that's that's going to be, if if they're on and their bullpen's on, they're going to win the series. If they're not, then it opens the door into some other things because we know what the Rangers can do at the plate. Yeah, the, the Rangers are just dangerous. And that's why game one, you know the, the Diamondbacks did such a good job to st- to stay in there and to and to get that lead mm-hmm. and, and to take it into the ninth, but it was just one of those. It felt almost inevitable, the way Texas is hitting that that they were going to come out and do it. That game was theirs to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it it was a, a great game, hard fought on both sides. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, just a clean inning. Would probably be great for the Diamondbacks in this game. Um, they had that in the second inning, and I think they had it in the fourth. Okay, they had it in the fifth as well. So Gallon had had his moments there. They, they had a few that were pretty clean. Um, he was shaky, but still finished with a decent day. That was that was kind of his start. Yeah, and I mean his stat line for this game, you you would take it. I mean, sure. You're 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 not gonna get too mad at your starter anytime he goes out there. He throws five, three earned runs, five strikeouts. I mean, he only lit up four hits um, against this Rangers offense. By all means, I mean you'll you'll take that every day that you can get it for sure. Um, but yeah, I know that the Texas just kind of stayed on them and uh, and and kept coming after him, and in the end. It paid off in that big bottom of the ninth there. Fun um, stat. Did you see that fun stat? Fun stat. 
the uh, the Diamondbacks, this was as of Friday night. Obviously, they've played another game since then, and there's a game going on right now, but they've played four, as of Friday night, four World Series road games in the history of their franchise, and that was the third time that they had allowed a game-tying home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. That's so odd. Mm-hmm. Baseball's so cool. The third time. That's crazy. Also, the Makes second sense. time that W. Bush threw the first pitch, and he did indeed bounce this one. That was rough. Yeah, I mean, W's getting up there, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's no spring chicken anymore. Nope. God love him, but his his first pitch days may be behind him. But he had some he good like, ones. <laughs> he, he had some good ones. <laughs> he did, you know. I mean, you want to see him go out on top, but. Comes for us all. It does. It does. Um, yeah, no, super cool, though. Coming into this game, one, Adolis Garcia had seven straight games with an RBI, which was second longest streak in a single postseason, uh, just behind eight for Ryan Howard in 2009. And on the other side, you had Cattell Marte with a 17-game hitting streak, which also tied for the longest in postseason history uh, with a few cool folks, Manny Ramirez, Derek Jeter, and everybody's favorite, Hank Power. I mean, come on now. <laughs> we all love us some some Hank Power. That's right. Um, and so lots coming into it, and that that streak still lives. Uh, it's still going, so it should be at eighteen now. And I believe oh, I don't think he's got a hit yet tonight, but he did get a hit in game two. He's been so on a tear. This he has those top three between him, Carroll, and Moreno have just been. I mean, you can't keep them off the bags. They're, they've been amazing. Exactly. Just, I mean, you get it's like you got those those three guys on each side. And then, of course, you have, um, I mean, Simeon's, he's in there, but Seager, um, Carter's playing really well. I mean, mm-hmm. Adolis Garcia, come on. Just, he's, been he's the, a savage. He's been the lethal weapon of this postseason so far. He has. Um, and, and continue on the historic trend. I mean, Corey Seager is third all time now for most home runs in the postseason as a shortstop. Wow, um, he is just behind Dar- or Carlos Correa at eighteen. So I don't believe. Hold on, I don't believe. No, he didn't get that last night, so he could get it tonight and tie up for second. Um, and then Derek Jeter at twenty. He is having quite the postseason as well. He, how many people, I, don't, I didn't look this up, but how many guys have won World Series MVP multiple times? Because he could be on the verge of that if he continues his production this series. Hmm, that's a good one. Because he won that's it in 2020, which I know didn't happen. But, um, yeah, we don't have to look that up right now. I was just throwing that out there. Something to keep that's your fine. eye on. Something to keep your eye on. We could have a multi- World Series MVP this season. This could be wrong, but it, it's what I found just off the jump. I think there's three people that have done it. Sandy Koufax, Bob Gibson, and Reggie Jackson have won it twice. Okay. So that'd be a pretty cool company to get in. Huh. Yeah, so game one, a thriller. Corey Seager hits the the game, tying home run bottom of the ninth, and then in the 11th, Adolis Garcia just continues to – go off and walk that one off in the 11th. So super fun, 6-5, to goes to the Rangers. And then we come up 
on Saturday night. And the Diamondbacks were not to be truffled with, as Michael Scott would say. Um, They came out ready to go. Merrill Kelly pitched an amazing game, seven innings, only three hits to this lineup. Out insane right now. Yeah. One earned run, nine strikeouts. I mean, and no walks. Didn't walk a guy. And if you don't do that, you're going to do pretty well in postseason baseball. So he had an excellent game, and the Diamondbacks just went off. Nine runs, 16 hits. Jeez. 16. The the Rangers had a total of four. So four times the hits. They they came out swinging, ready to get this one. Texas got their one run across. Um, it, I mean, Jordan Montgomery, he went six innings, four earned runs. You know, so, I mean, it wasn't all on his shoulders, but it's definitely not the way you want to get that started when they're that hot and your offense just isn't picking up the slack that night. Yeah. yeah. And um, he couldn't quite it, get the curveball going. And that just allowed, especially the top of that Diamondback lineup, just tee off. Yeah. They they pretty much had, the, had their way with it mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and, I mean, you know, even more of those runs came late there. Once they um, put in, I'm so sorry, Ma- Martin Perez, he was responsible for four. So, you you know, you get your star out there, he lets up four. That's one thing. Put a reliever in, he lets up four in his, what was it, uh, one and a third inning of work. That's eh, not really going to help things. That kids and, is what we call compound interest. There you go. <laughs> Looky there. Don't say that we never taught you nothing here. That's right. We've we've, we've fed you, but um, now you're learning a little a little economics as well. A little finance. Super fun. A little financing. A little fin- finance. Gosh, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> finance. My goodness. Um, and have your day, Tommy Pham, in game two. Yeah. And, and funny thing enough, his four hit game is his third in the postseason. Dude's a baller. I mean, he just shows up. Yeah, he hits everything. Jock Peterson, baseball, slappy for a bad fantasy trade. I mean, he's just everywhere. He is just ready to hit stuff, no matter where he goes. He's a great and hitter on and off the field. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, on the field. I mean, whether the game's going or not. Yeah. And um, I mean, funny thing. I guess that was on the field. Yeah, it was, but the game was not was not underway. Yeah. Um, maybe it wasn't even on the field. I think it was on the warning track. So you could still, you could still justify that. And uh, I think we've got the first run of the night. Yep, here we go. Marcus Simeon knocks in an RBI single. So there you go. Nice. One O Rangers in the top of the third. Um, Fat boys pitching tonight. So if you listened last week, you understand. Fat boy. Yeah. Shut up, fat boy. Gosh. Fought, fought boy. <laughs> Um, sure, we'll go with that. Uh, funny thing, though, with his third four-hit game in the postseason, that ties Albert Pujols for oh the most gosh. in league history, American or National League. So wow. good company there, Tom. Tommy Pham and Albert Pujols. Baseball two, Mount Rushmore. Two names you always say Yeah, right beside each other. Um, and, and super cool story out of this, read an article about him, you know, having the potential to go up there and go five for five. And of course, with the game in hand, he uh, elected to forego that at bat 
and let Jace Peterson come up and kind of get his time to shine. Just one of those good baseball dudes, been around utility man, just doing his job, wanting to stay employed for all these years. Former brave. Yeah, former brave. Exactly. I have his uh I have his autograph hanging up. Do you really? I do. Yeah. I always liked Jace when he was here. Jace was a good dude. He's just like I said, he's just a baseball guy. And oh my yeah. word, Corey Seeger. Holy cow. Again. All right. There's uh so now he's tied with Carlos Correa at 18. <laughs> um, and it is three to nothing, Rangers. I mean, he smoked it. Holy cow, he put a lick on it. Well, there you go. Dang. Um but no, very cool moment with uh, him letting Jace have that at bat and and, and get his World Series moment. Uh, super cool. Just I don't know how to feel about Tommy Pham. Kind of thought he was a he was a little bit of a rapscallion, if you would. I, the whole I think he Peterson is. Thing. I still think he is. Yeah, but he's got a heart clearly. Yeah, he's just, just a rascal. Just don't cross him when yeah. it comes to fantasy football. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then uh, really game two was there was not much excitement unless you were a Diamondbacks fan. And now we're here, game three, underway currently, and the Rangers have gotten out to uh, a, a decent lead here in the third inning, and we shall see where this takes us next. But yes. keep posted because the World Series is – in the heat of it. Well, we have, I think we will have a World Series winner uh, by our next show. That's a good point. Yep. I had not looked that far into the future here. They're going to play tonight, tomorrow, Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, if if all the games have to happen. Sure. Um, yeah, so that'll be exciting. Well, I, I maybe I should have built that up. Like, yeah, we'll see you next week. We'll be back, but... We will have a world champion by the next lunch hour. Who do you think it's going to be? Yeah, you're right on it. Saturday will be it. Um, so yeah, so let's let's go ahead and pick it up. Um, you know, I, I I want the Diamondbacks to win. If I can say that, I I want them to win. I enjoy the team, and they destroyed the accursed Phillies, and for that I love them deeply. Mm-hmm. I just don't know, man. Like, I look at the Rangers, and I see something that speaks to my heart also as, as like, a Braves-type lineup. They just mash the ball. And I I like the Diamondbacks and what they've got going on, but the Rangers have that quality about them that's just, like, they can – I mean, this game was – when this inning started, of course, 0-0, and with two swings – well, not two swings. He had a guy on for that RBI single. But they're up 3-0 now. One of those swings get, you know, puts them up two more runs. And they just kind of have that capability to hit the long ball and change the game real quick. And that goes so far in the postseason. Yes. So I, I want the Diamondbacks to win. That's kind of where my 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 desire is. But I, I think that the Rangers are going to pull it off, man. They're I think they are stacked. too. I think they are too, because I think if everyone tried to find a definite advantage for the Diamondbacks, it would have been the bullpen before the se- the series started, and and you would say, well, any game that's tight when it gets down in those late innings, six, seven, eight, nine, Diamondbacks are going to have the advantage. Well, we had a game like that, and the I was extremely impressed with the Rangers bullpen and how they hung in there, 
Can they do that night in and night out? No, but they've done it once this week. So if they can, if they have another game that needs to come down to that, maybe they can do it again. My anticipation, though, kind of what you were saying, I don't think there's going to be a lot of games come down to it because I think this lineup is just so lethal. And the Diamondbacks have that ability, too. We saw it the other night. But the Rangers have the the heavyweights and the star power to do it more consistently. So I think, yeah, right now I'm going to say Rangers. I think I'm going to say Rangers in seven. Okay, I was thinking Rangers in six, but I like it. And, of course, the Rangers have – the ultimate edge and in, in the Will Smith factor. So yeah. and Creed. You can't, and Creed. I mean, dude, come on. <laughs> By the way, Creed does not translate over at all. Because the Vikings have been playing Creed and Kirk Cousins is done for the year. So you gotta be careful. Gotta be careful. You can't just you can't just I mean Kirk Cousins was like, we replaced prayer time in the locker room with Creed and I think that was just that was everything mm. you needed to know about said it all. what was about to happen. I mean yeah, you you don't you don't come to Creed. Creed comes to you. Creed comes to you. Yeah, you can't just formulate that. Many are called, few are chosen. <laughs> second, it's the second time on this pod. That's like my favorite quote ever. <laughs> so I just drop it in places where it does not need to be. But yeah, put that on our our, our second piece of merch. <laughs> I like it. Well, that that's my coin toss, Dan. So Sweet. That's what I've got for you. Good stuff. Let's uh, move along. We we we've had a little a little appetizer and starter. Now it's time to eat. Let's get into the entree here, yeah. Dan. And you hungry. know, yeah, we're a little we're a little hungry, and it is well suited as we will now fill our bellies tomorrow night with the first release of the college football playoff rankings. Yes, moment we've been some of us dreading. Some of us anticipating. Some of us not caring it. about because we know that we're not going to be in it. We've known <laughs> exactly. it for a while. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, it, and you've made a good point just in our own conversation that these can be kind of arbitrary. It's we, It's the very first one. So we're just going to know who the teams are and they things kinda, are going to continue to shake out. But it says something about how the committee – is valuing and prioritizing. Exactly what I was about to say. You go for it. They don't matter, but they do because it tells you where the committee's head is at this season. Which is always given to change. Yes, yes, 100%. So it's important in that regard. Like this one's kind of important, and then the rest are not important until December. Exactly. And so we already kind of talked about this past weekend, and some of the craziness and almost craziness that happened. Um, but, you know, the committee's going to do their thing. We're going to do our thing. So why don't we just go ahead and, and put our own top ten out there and okay. know that it's the, the true top ten. These will be the Dan and Jake rankings. And the playoff rankings will be there, but, like, people will just acknowledge them. This is what really matters. Yes, this is what people are going to check in for week after week. Um, how do you want to do – so I assume we each have our own list. Do you want to, like, yeah. swap after each one? Let's do it. And let's do it, I guess, in in playoff fashion and start at the bottom. Start at the bottom. Okay. Now we're here. All right. You want to start us off? Sure. 
So coming in at number 10, I think you still have to put Oklahoma in. Okay. They get, they, they've got their chance. They, they have got it. They are sort of on the, on the brink, if mm-hmm. you would. That was not a good loss to Kansas. And of the teams that I would be working with in the top 10 here, I think their loss is probably the worst. I'm saying that just on gut feeling. So I think that they are in the top 10, but they are playing with fire, if you would. Yeah, yeah. I could see that. Who you got? I have Penn State. Um, Oklahoma, I was thinking around in this range, but I have Penn State right now. I still think they're a great team. They've got a couple decent wins. That was kind of an ugly showing last week with Indiana, and obviously they lost that game um, to Ohio State, but it's tough to go win a game in Columbus. Um, I just think, one, they, they passed the eye test in every game except one, or now maybe two. I mean, the Indiana game was weird. They also have their chances to prove themselves again with who's on the schedule. So I'll give them that, and I think they're good enough and they're – talented enough to you know sustain being in the top 10 right now so i've got penn state right there sure i like it i like it so at number nine i'm gonna put alabama here okay and the the reason being because if you're you're looking at opponents you're evaluating your wins and your losses i mean penn state if 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 oklahoma has the worst loss, judging the playoff committee, I think you're going to say that Penn State, or sorry, I mean, the reason that I'm not putting Penn State here is I think that Penn State's loss is probably the second best loss. You're going to have a, a good loss. Yeah. Um, I mean, actually, it's it's probably the best. You know, I mean, Washington, Oregon is the other one that I'm playing with, but in terms of how I think that, you know, they are creating their own rankings and they value teams a certain way, I think Ohio State is going to be very appreciated by them. Mm-hmm. And even though Penn State had a not-so-great week last week with Indiana, I think because of how they value Ohio State, that is going to factor into how they value Penn State's loss. And I know I said Alabama at 9, but that is why I put Alabama at 9 as opposed to Penn State. Losing to Ohio State is a better loss than losing to Texas in the committee's mind, in my opinion. I would agree with that, too. So that's where I put them. I would agree with that, too. Me at number nine. So I, spoiler alert, do not have Oklahoma in the top ten. I have them, like, right there at 11. I have them at 11. Sure. I have Ole Miss at nine. Mm, Cool. I like it. I just think Ole Miss, good win against LSU. They've had some other good wins. They've beat Tulane. That's a ranked team. Uh, they've looked good in some spots. I think they have a little bit of an issue of playing down at the level of their opponent. Um, the final score didn't look great in the game I'm about to bring up, but like they were winning at the half against Bama. I mean, that's something. Um, and I think Ole Miss has passed the eye test a couple times for me. Like I said, a couple weird games here and there. They kind of play to the level of their opponent, but much like – Penn State, they in spades have chances to prove themselves. They got the game with Texas A&M coming up. They got Georgia. They're going to have shots to kind of say that they're in the fight. I I just I've liked this Ole Miss team all year. 
I think they're fun. I think for right now, I'll have them in in the top ten, but very subject to change with that one. Hey, As I like it. Is. Oh, I, I like it, man. Ole Miss is a team that, I mean, their one loss is to Alabama. Like, yeah. we got to acknowledge that, and they're a good team, and I I don't hate that at all uh, in the top ten. So at my number eight, I pretty much gave it away. Um, or sorry, well, yes, at my number eight, gave it away. Uh, Penn State. So I've got them there for all the reasons that I just mentioned as to their loss and how I think the committee will value it. And so Penn State, at number eight for me. So here I've got Bama. I've got Alabama eight. Um, I definitely do agree with you that Penn State has the better loss, but I also think Alabama has the better wins when you start to stack them on top of each other. That's a good point. I don't have Alabama a lot higher because – some of those wins have come at the price of like having a bad half here and there, not looking, not passing the eye test, especially in that Texas A&M game. Um, they, they're, they've had their shaking moments, but they've, they've been able to muster some big wins, and this is the ultimate weekend for them going up against LSU of like, well, how legit are you? And this can be the one that's like, are you a top five level team good? Are you going to be involved in the playoff race, or are you just kind of like, be where you've been so far this season, kind of teetering around the top 10-ish area. So that's where I see them right now. Yeah, and where I think we both have them is is fair in that there's going to be room for them to move. Yes. Like, yes. we can't – I don't think that they get into that top seven range. Somewhere in this eight to ten is, I think, giving them enough respect, but also saying, hey, there's work to do. Yes, and so, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we, we can't dismiss them. They are still Alabama, and they've got a lot a lot ahead of them. So we're going to see how that goes. Uh, coming along at number seven, uh, mine's going to start to look a little bit like the AP poll, but I have Texas here. Okay. I mean, they have a, a great win, one of the best wins out there in beating Alabama. And, of course, what Oklahoma did this last weekend did not help them in their one loss, but that's a rivalry game. It's a it's a big game. They're super talented. I mean, we've talked about their wide receiver core. The defense is there. They look the part. They're a, they're a good football team, and they look good. They've just got that one loss that's going to keep them behind a little bit. Now, all things play out. They still have the opportunity to possibly avenge that loss if Oklahoma makes it to the Big 12 championship or, you know, at least win the conference. So everything is ahead of them where they can change things for them. But I've got them at seven. Okay. I don't hate it. Uh, number seven, I've got Oregon. Okay. i got very good team. Uh, they've got one loss in a crazy game. And honestly – I might be spoiling some of what is to come in my rankings, but I feel like if you play that game again, Oregon's going to win. <laughs> mm. Well, and um, it was a close game. You know, this wasn't it was. like a blowout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very close game. And part of what came out of that was Oregon, you know, you, you mentioned it when we were kind of recapping that game. It's not so much Washington won it. It was that Oregon lost it. Yeah, they took their chance. Um, so if Oregon can start learning how to win those games – I like where they're going to be at the end of the season. They're going to have their shot because they got an interesting schedule coming up. Sure. 
And so I'm going to piggyback off of you as to why I have Oregon at number six, Mm -hmm. because almost like with Penn State, I think that they're going to really like Washington. And because of that, even though I know Washington's had their moments, I think the value they place on Washington and that that is Oregon's loss as opposed to Texas's loss being to Alabama, which will be ranked lower, you know, because this is where it gets weird, right? Like what team is good, but then there's what does the committee say they are? Like how good do they say they are? Because now based on where they rank other teams now affects how they go and view other positions in the rankings as well. So because I think Oregon's loss is better than Texas's loss, that's why I have them in the order they do. But yeah, Oregon is still a very good team, scary, and they are going to be in a good position if they can handle their business. And I like what you said about if you play that game again, I'm not sure how it shakes out. Um, Am I wrong? Did they play that game away? They played in Washington. Yeah, it was in Seattle. Yeah, so... It could have been a matter of playing it in Oregon. Might have made the difference. Yeah, could have um, been. I'm not going to say it is, but that's how close the game was. So mm-hmm. I've got Oregon at six. Number six, I've got Washington. Um, mm. think they're at times really good, but they've had three games now where they've looked just really weird. Um, and part of that is maybe some of the Ole Miss syndrome of they kind of they played to the level of their opponent from time to time. Uh, their secondary has just been a little suspect from time to time, and we have weirdly seen their offense get shut down a couple times. I mean, in that game against Arizona State, they didn't score an offensive touchdown, but they still found a way to win the game. So well, and their receivers are really good. Mm-hmm. Like receivers are great, but this all kind of hinges on Michael Penix Jr. Yeah. Like, if he has a good game, they're good. But that game you're talking about, it was a bit of a stinker for him. Mm-hmm. And it did not go so great. I mean, they won, but it didn't go so great. And that was the game. You remember how I, we were talking about Washington a, a couple weeks ago. I was like, I want to see them win a gritty, run-the-ball-down-your-throat defensive game. They had the defensive game. They did not have the running attack going, which is why they couldn't score and move the ball. Um, so I still haven't quite seen that yet. I... Uh, we'll talk more about Washington later for another segment we've got, but sure. right now with what I've seen, I like this team a lot. I think they have the potential to be something interesting down the stretch, but right now this moment with what we've seen the past few weeks, eh. So I have sure. them just outside the top five. I hear that. That's all good. Um, also, breaking, I, I feel bad now making light of – Scherzer getting pegged with the the ball there. He has uh, left the game with an injury Uh-oh. after being hit by uh, by the comebacker there. So, whoops! How dare you? Um, I How know. dare you? I'm sorry. It looked like he got hit in in, in the. Did he break his part. butt? He he may have. He's got the Joel Embiid uh, practice going. You just break your butt. Yeah, it looked like he mouthed something about his back with some other choice words. So maybe it was more of his back than it was his uh, gluteus maximus. Huh. Or, or maybe it was, uh, oh, that's, that's funny. That's funny. Maybe it Sorry. was his, not his back, but he was mouthing something that rhymed with his back. Um, maybe so. Yeah. 
you never know. All right, so I'm going to go for number five, right? We're at five. Um, number five for me, people are going to hate this. I have Michigan. So I don't hate that. I think the committee is going to come in and not necessarily make a statement, but maybe a little bit. We're going to make an example out of you. Yeah, we're going to make an example out of you, boy. Um, <laughs> I think they're going to make a point about the non-conference and some of these things. And Michigan maybe looks one of the, like, you know, one of, if not the best teams out there. But I feel like they may stick them down there at five, as in, hey, you're one of the top teams, but resume much, question mark. And um, want them to, you know, have to be able to get some of those more proven wins because, of course, this is the first edition of these rankings. The games where they're going to prove it are ahead of them. And so they will easily move up with those wins. But I'm curious to see how that works. And so maybe I'm playing the wrong game a little bit and then I'm guessing the committee's rankings, but I can somewhat understand the sentiment. So I put Michigan at number five. Don't hate that. Don't hate that at all. Um, number five for me is Texas. Wow. This is going to be, people are not going to like this because I just put Texas with a loss over an undefeated Washington, but. That is pretty spicy. Yeah. I, these are my rankings. And <laughs> you're playing a different game than these I are am, mine, which is good. These are mine. Um, I j- I watch both of those teams play consistently week in and week out. I just think Texas is a better team. I know they have the loss to Oklahoma, and that definitely takes a hit after Oklahoma drops one in Kansas. But that was a that was a wild rivalry game that they lost on the last possession of the game, and it honestly came down to just weird coaching mistakes that Sark was making. Sark hasn't really had to do that much lately. I think Texas is going to have to learn how to win some of those games. They're starting to, you know, they had the tight fourth quarter with Houston last week. They're going to go through some weird games with Quinn Ewers being out. Quinn Ewers being out is a factor. Maybe they get him back, but they look pretty dang good against a solid BYU team without him. Um, So I still think they've got enough talent on that roster. I just, the win over Bama, some of these other, you know, solid teams that they've been able to put away, and also the chance that they get the, the opportunity to probably, I mean, we don't know what Oklahoma's going to do the rest of the year, but the chance to beat everyone on their schedule is a unique opportunity that I think they're going to have the shot to do. So I, I like Texas a lot. I know it's weird to put a team with a loss over an undefeated team, but that's just what I feel. I felt like if they played tomorrow, Texas would win. I like it. I like your approach for sure. All right, so let's get into the fun stuff. Top four. At number four, I am going to put the Georgia Bulldogs. Whoa. I'm trying to stay consistent with Whoa. my theories and my takes. So, listen, and maybe I'm trying to be a Georgia homer and I'm hedging. But for a lot of the same reasons that I talked about Michigan being at five, it's why maybe I'm putting Georgia here at number four in terms of Strength of schedule, and I'm so tired of people wanting to play it up like Georgia crafted this week's schedule, at least in the front half, and that this was just a 
Who's saying conscious? That? To, well, people are like, oh, Georgia's schedule so soft. They don't even want to play anybody. They don't play anybody. And like, I agree. Like, the beginning of this schedule is miserable. It's not been great as a fan to enjoy. But Oklahoma was on this schedule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were removed. Like, that, Greg Sankey said, you can't play them. So they had to be taken off. So, like, there, and could you imagine that game in this year? They had to call Trent Dilfer on like the last minute. Yeah, and he was like, ah, sure thing, man. Dude, people used to, and people still do, but, like, people say that all the time about Clemson. Like, well, they didn't play anybody. And it's like, well, it's not our fault that the SEC West team that we scheduled turned out to be crap this year, and South Carolina's no good, and no one else in the ACC is any good. Sorry. Like, exactly. But it's like it that happens. game was on the books. We were going to play Oklahoma. All this realignment stuff messed it up, so we didn't get to see that, which that would have been an awesome game to see. And at the time they would have played them, had they beaten Oklahoma and then Oklahoma still gone on and beaten Texas, that would have been a stellar win. Oh, yeah. For stellar sure. win. And so I get it. I get the schedule talk, but at the same time, it was not self-imposed. Um, Georgia has had their moments in terms of the eye test. They have played down to opponents a lot. I mean, Kirby has constantly told us uh, throughout his career, each team is different. They've all got their own their own rhythms or their own vibe, and they have to figure themselves out. And so I think we've we saw that last year. Things kind of the team figure itself out and then take care of business. I think this team is starting to figure itself out, but those moments where they've been doing that and have played down to opponents and not looked the part, I think the committee's probably gonna knock them a little bit for that, in addition to the strength of schedule being so weak. And really the best win right now being Kentucky, um, and they were ranked 20th. You know, they looked good against Florida, passed the eye test there, looked great against Kentucky. That Auburn game is going to be one that people maybe point to, the South Carolina game, and then after that, you know, it's Vanderbilt and a bunch of group of five teams, or not even group of five, but non-power five teams. So I don't know that they're going to reward Georgia for their current production and results. So I think – Georgia at four. I've got Michigan at four, and that echoes a lot of reasons that you were bringing them up for. The other thing is I just can't get it out of the back of my mind now with this these allegations that have come out. I'm like, you've looked so good this year. Is it because you know what the other team's going to do? It's um, a valid point because it is becoming not just like have they, have they not. It's kind of like they have. How bad is it? Yes. I mean, there's reports of them paying a D3 coach to film people on the sidelines when they've played against those Big Ten teams. There's reports now of them having had tickets purchased to non-Big Ten games and and getting signs for just potential playoff contenders. He had a manifesto. This guy's a psycho. Wait, you had a manifesto? Oh, you go read that manifesto. Connor Stallions had a manifesto. I have not. I need to go read oh, this. Yeah, but no, it's crazy. I've seen some clips of like in the Ohio State game last year, uh, like CJ Stroud would like look to the sideline, and then you would see the entire uh, Michigan sideline in the background uh, would look at the defense and start pointing up like for a pass. Like it's crazy. Well, and there was one game. I, I think I can't remember which one. Well, for one, there was the report that TCU knew about it, and so they mixed up their signals. I want to know more about that. I'd like to know more about that, too. Yeah. Part of me is like, are they just saying that? I don't know. But, yeah, I got Michigan at four. I, I mean, I think they're very good. 
But that's definitely in the back of my mind, and they have just played nobody. Like, even the conference games they've played have been against the absolute bottom of the barrel in the Big Ten. Their best game, their best win right now is what, Rutgers? No, like Rutgers or Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, oh. Wow. Oh, buddy. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you destroyed Michigan State when they – Yeah. well, I'm not going to get into all that. But <laughs> see the scoreboard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh me. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna get into that. All right. Yeah. Uh, oh, that <laughs> if you bad. know, you know. If yeah, you know, if you know. You know. It was yeah. it was it was rough, rough, rough days in in uh in yeah. Lansing. So number three for me, I've got Washington. Okay. And this is almost in terms of the undefeated teams, just gonna kinda start to rank in order of the best wins. And uh may, well, maybe not so much, because honestly, Washington has Maybe tied for the top win out there. Uh, beating Oregon, like you've already talked about. Oregon's a great team. That game was going either way, and Oregon's still a really good team. So I, I like it a lot for Washington. They've had a few performances where maybe they haven't passed the eye test, but resume is there. Um, they love to have a good Heisman contender quarterback. Washington has got it, and – they're just playing really good football. That offense is electric, and they can confidently rank them at three based on what they have done, knowing that, like many of these teams, it's going to shake out. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not going to put them at three and be like, oh, darn, we ranked them too high. Now we're stuck. Like, if they win the rest of their schedule, oh, they should, probably shouldn't be number three. Like, they should be ranked higher if they continue and win out. So they can put them there with confidence. I've got Washington at number three. Number three, if if I was trying to predict what the final rankings are going to be in the first Sunday of December, I would have this team at number one. But right now, based off what we've seen, I've got them at three, and that's Georgia. Yeah. Very good team. Just looks like they're starting to round into form. I weirdly think Bowers being out is going to actually help Carson Beck develop a little. Like, crazily enough, the – Patrick Mahomes gets rid of Tyree Kill formula. Uh, hey, I, people do not pay attention to Lad McConkey. Dude, old Lad McConkey is is so tough to wrangle. He McConkey is McConkey on a donkey. I mean, come on now. He, I've been watching him for for a few years now. He he is. I mean, he's a real deal. Like, he's, he's hunter. He's hunter, He's a faster hunter Renfro. I mean, that guy's awesome and shorter. Um, and shorter, yes. It makes no sense. I got, I just kind of was wondering when first seeing him, like, well, when's this little gimmick gonna run out? No, like he's a he's a good football player. He is. He he legitimately is. Yeah, I think, and I think Georgia's a good football team, but they've had those ups and downs. They have not been consistent, and I think you need consistency out of a out of a top team. I think they're gonna be there. I think they're rounding into form right now, but because of who's been on their schedule, I I don't think they've been battle tested enough quite yet. Now they're gonna be. They're going to be because uh, they've got an interesting stretch coming up. And that's why I think Georgia every bit has the opportunity to get back in that number one spot based on the next three games they've got. Yeah. No, I, I like what you said about um, this is not projecting to the end. This is where we are now. Yeah. And uh, I, I like it. I like it. At my number two – is going to be the Florida State Seminoles. Same for me. Nice. So yep. let's just kind of do them in unison then. Yeah. Um, they've done everything you've asked them to do. Mm-hmm. They've got a pretty good schedule, a quality win there with LSU. 
Um, the Duke win didn't get any help last week, but still a, a, a good win against a ranked opponent. I think people know, I mean, they were able to win that game with Riley Leonard playing most of the game. So that was impressive. That was impressive. Yeah, yeah. different kind of Duke team. Yeah. Um, they've also got the Heisman darling quarterback and the, the defenses. Exactly. The, the defense is interesting because at times they sort of underperform, but watching them at what I would think is almost like their their peak level, their optimum performance against LSU, like that's a stacked defense. It's in there. It's in there. Yeah. Like they, they just haven't are, had to turn it on recently. Right. And they have that good balance mm-hmm. of where it's not like it's all the offense, it's all the defense. Like both of these units are very good and can play very good football. And that's what you like in a contender. And I test wise, they've had some moments, you know, red bandana game. I get it. You can't count it. You can't count it. <laughs> you can't count it. Um, unfortunately for you, the Clemson win does not look as good now. Um, but still, it's they found a way to win it. They won a game. They were, you know, that was more of an emotional. To. That was an emotional barrier for them to break through, more so right. than like the X's and O's. Yeah, yeah. and they and they still did it. They still made it happen. So. It was an away win, too. You know, they won it on the road. So I, I think Florida State has has a good bit of the recipe that is is mixing together, and I feel like they're worthy of that number two spot. Honestly, you could probably kind of flip them around with Washington a little bit in my rankings at least. But I like probably on eye test what I'm seeing out of Florida State. Yeah, me as well. I echo a lot of those reasons. I also think – they might have the best skill player in the country not named Marvin Harrison Jr. in Keon Coleman right now. Like, that guy is on a different planet. And the running game's rounding into form. Jordan Travis is as, as good as ever. The defense has it in there. Uh, we just haven't had to see it come out yet. Uh, so, yeah, Florida State, for a lot of those reasons, is also my number two. I like it. All right. Let's – uh. I guess we're just going to reveal our number one at the same time, too, because it's kind of process of elimination yep. here. Yeah, so number one, Ohio State, we are in agreement here. I feel like the committee will also agree here. They've got they've got the resume. Um, they, they've, they've probably got the best resume out there. Um, even though it only includes two ranked wins, those were against Penn State, which, I mean, coming into that game, Penn State was in playoff conversation. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame, still Notre Dame, always going to be a darling in the media and press, you know, committees, eyes, insert here, whoever, whichever body you want to. And, you know, they're, they're going to be ranked probably pretty well. I mean, Notre Dame's two losses, one of them not so great, but Louisville's looking better and the other one to Ohio State. So having those wins is, is going to give them a boost. The defense is crazy, just nuts. Silver bullets. Exactly. And so based on resume, and they've got playmakers, they've got a really talented team. I mean, in terms of the program's history and experience team, just in they've been to the top within recent history, and they've got talent, as much as I hate to say it, to to make a run on this thing. So that's my – analysis of Ohio State at number one. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, they've got probably the best player in the country in 18. Uh, they've got a wicked defense. The offense has not been like a game breaker. Like they haven't had to win a game based on their offense. Um, I'd like to see them bolster that running game a little bit. That was a weird game last week in in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. They still had a decent final score. I still think that Kyle McCord is rounding into form a little bit. Um, I think this is this is an Ohio State team that's going to get better as the year goes on, and they're already very good. I mean, they've already, like you said, they've already got the resume. They've got the two huge wins. Even I know, maybe some talk about like slow starts in their first couple of games, but they still won big. And then this weekend was the first one where you could watch an Ohio State game and see an inferior opponent and be like, hey, they're kind of getting they're messing around with this team. They're playing with their food a little bit. But that was the first time you could say that. I mean, other teams in the top ten have done that several times already. So, yeah, I think Ohio State's just very impressive to me. They lead in a lot of defensive categories. Uh, their offense is rounding into form. I think they're going to be there right there at the end. I've had to eat a lot of crow because I, I, I called out Ohio State very quick and early before the season started, and they've been anything but than a 9-3 and three team with a Ryan Day out the door. Um, they've been a very, very good team, and – Right now, I think they're the best in the country. Yeah, I think that next to Lou Holtz, you're producing the most bulletin board material yeah. for Ohio State. I think Ryan Day has us tapped or something. Oh, he definitely does. He definitely does. Um, and if you're Ohio State, man, you are enjoying where you are because the rest of your schedule, Rutgers, Michigan State, Minnesota, which you get at home, and then it all comes down to Michigan. Okay. So if they get that boogeyman off the rack, then they're good. That Ohio State-Michigan game might be – we might be headed towards one of the most, like, spiciest spiciest games ever in college football. Like, I'm so excited. And I've already had this thought in my mind. Can you imagine Ohio State fans if they lose? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And and Jim Harbaugh, you know, still on the sideline coaching – they're going to cancel the season. They're going to get the season canceled. Like, hell hath no fury like an Ohio State fan that feels they've been wronged. You're right. I just I, – I, I would rather Michigan win anyways just because I am not always on Ohio State's side. Ryan Day rubs me the wrong way. But I just really would love to see the chaos if Michigan wins that game. That would be crazy be excellent a little scary i'm just looking i'm hoping maybe we can get in the mayo bowl i think we can get in the mayo bowl maybe a mayo bath will cleanse Dabo's soul that would be good he needs a so, mayo cleanse to a get baptism on track yeah a mayo baptism a mayo baptism i had a note in my my notes for my my coin toss were hilarious throughout the weekend because they were very harsh, and then they were refined and refined and refined, and then they got to what they are today. But I had a note in there of like, Dabo just needs to quit and go be a mega church preacher because that's what he acts like. <laughs> <laughs> he would do so good, and he would he would make a living. He yeah. may make more money that way than he does a college football. He coach. probably would. <laughs> Apparently, uh, he was making. He was used to be in commercial real estate before he started coaching football, and he was making like way more money than he was his 
before he got promoted to uh, head coach. I think he even said, like, he, even his first couple of years as the full-time head coach, like after he got promoted from interim, he was making like about what he was making in real estate. Almost. He, he was like, oh, I'm getting close. Yeah. <laughs> Dabo's going to be fine. So maybe it's in his best interest. It's in your interest, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our entree. Let's round this thing off with some dessert. Once again, a little cherry on top of the dessert. Need some sweet. Something sweet to end, to end here with. So a couple weeks ago now, Dan informed us of the, the top 10 Dans, of who are the, the top 10 Dans out there. Well, I wasn't going to be left out of the fun. So this week it's top 10 Jakes. Yes. Top 10 Jakes this week. Courtesy of me, the expert on all things Jake. So I'm ready to do this thing. Are you ready, Dan? I'm ready. All right. I'm excited about this. Let's get this started. At number 10, we're going we're gonna to build from here. Jake T. Austin. Okay. Jake T. Austin, actor, child actor, best known probably as Max Russo on Wizards of Waverly Place. He has also been in the Emoji movie, Rio. <laughs> Um, a few other movies. Critically acclaimed. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, but you know, you know, old old Jake T here. Um, he's got the middle initial. That's pretty cool. That gave him some points. Sustained success, you know. He's been doing this thing since he was a kid and still still active, you know. Maybe he'd like to do some things other than the emoji movie, but I'm sure he's proud of it. <laughs> And he is on the grind, man. He is making it happen. So respect number the hustle. 10, respect the hustle. You know what's sad? Uh, when you said Jake T. Austin, I honestly didn't know who you were talking about for a second, and I thought he was a country singer. <laughs> That's funny. So, and we're, we're going to get to that. The middle, um, the middle initial gets me. So. Yes. Listen, I mean, this is a guy. He Listen, he's got three Teen Choice Awards. All right, let's move this thing along. At number nine... I have Sir Jake Story Alley. Yes. No free ads. But man. Yes. Talking Jake. <laughs> Waking Jake. Waking Jake, man. He he is just an enigma. He is an experience. He says some weird things. He says some weird things. He knows his baseball and he loves his snakes. But he is to, he, he's half the reason. He is one half, 50% of the reason that I listen to that podcast. And he is just a funny dude. Like, I, in my mind, I was thinking about when I was doing the coin toss for World Series recap check-in here, and I was like, oh, maybe we could burn it. I, I, I can't burn it. That's no. Jake's thing. That's he, his He thing. does it with style, and he, he makes me laugh. And I like I like Jake. Uh, you know, you got to give him a hard time. Jake sucks. Jake sucks. But um, I got Story Al at nine, man. I couldn't help it. We well, we have a connection to him. You know, we're big Braves fans, and you know, Matt Olson dates his daughter. So he does date his daughter. It's <laughs> exactly right. If you are a John Boy Media fan in any way, you just you just got a very uh, very inside baseball joke, if you will. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. And He's a crazy for, one. 
for fear of driving anyone away from this podcast now, I'm going to go ahead and move on to number eight. <laughs> but you know what? We're, we're going we're gonna to stick with it. We're going to stick with the baseball theme here. And at number eight, I've got Jake Arietta. Stud. Love that guy. Jake Arietta, man, I do you rem, like do you remember the experience? He was Jake probably he was probably on steroids. Probably. But do you remember <laughs> the experience? <laughs> I mean, those years with the Cubs, like he was he was on top of the world. He dude. was unhittable. Like, he, he was. And he was like that that guy. I mean oh, yeah. it's there are seasons, of course, he didn't end his career that way. But man, he he was a dude. Like he he's won a Cy Young. He won a Cy Young. He is an all one time all star, still an all star. This man's got a silver slugger, maybe for reasons you've mentioned. But still, he he had some, he had some good stuff. You know, he was he was just solid pitcher. He was one of the game's best in his time. Those few years there. So I'll get Jake Arrieta at eight. Love it, love it. Nice. I'm going to move along to number seven with not as much confidence, but I've got Jake Johnson here. Funny guy. Like Funny him. guy. Yeah. Um, Jurassic World. <clears throat> You've got him there. Uh, I didn't even realize he was in 21 Jump Street, but apparently he is. Um, <laughs> uh, New Girl, probably what he is known most for. And so truth be to- told, I have not seen the show, um, but I knew his face when I saw it. And... Our birthdays are very close. His is May 28th, uh, and mine's May 29th. And that's yeah, reason enough to put him on the list. It, it is reason enough. It's reason enough. So I put Jake Johnson in here. Um, he's He's got his own award nominations, so I won't go into them all. But Jake Johnson, number Love seven. It. All right, let's move along to number six. You're going to like this one. At number six, I've got... Jake Matthews. Okay. Yeah. Offensive tackle for the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of sports guys in here, but let's be real. To go by Jake as a full-time thing is not done often in a professional sense or a political sense. You're yeah. probably going to stick with the Jacob. If you're Jake, you're a sports guy in some yeah. way, mostly. Exactly. So that's why there's a little bit in here. But hey, listen, Jake Matthews. He's had a long he, career. He's had a long career. He got drafted in 2014. Yeah. He's an Aggie. All right. Played he, on those Manziel teams. Right? So he, he's got the experience. He came out of the one of the toughest conference out there. He, he's been a long time <laughs> staple with the Falcons. He's got a Pro Bowl nomination. Oh, yeah. Hey, I didn't even realize this. He was two-time first-team All-American and two-time first-team All-SEC. So, he was great. I think he, we drafted him like fourth overall. Like he was uh, really sixth. high. Sixth, sixth. Sixth overall, yeah. He was up there. If you're a top 10 pick, you're good. You're a top 10 Jake. Newsflash. Look, look at that. Look at that. If you play 10 years in the NFL, you're a top 10 Jake. That's just how it goes. Exactly. So I felt appropriate to put him at number six, which was also his draft selection number. Nice. I like that. Number five. Jake from State Farm. The character. Ooh, okay, hang on. The enigma. Which one? No, so all of it. He, he is. No, you got to pick one. You got to <laughs> pick one. Is it the original or the the knockoff? 
oh, wow, that was tough. I don't like what they're doing with this guy right now. This guy with his his big arms and his tight shirts, and he's and he's well shaved and and he's well kept. No, 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 no. I like the guy whose belly rolled over his khakis at three a.m. That's my Jake from State Farm. Okay, well, it is it is the first guy, but only because I could be totally wrong on this. But based on some not very reputable websites, I'm pretty sure. Jake from State Farm is a guy named Jake Stone and that he, it was or is, I'm not sure about where he is now, a real State Farm agent. And he won, like, I don't know, a a contest, some internal thing to play the role through the company casting call. That's really cool. Is it not? I don't know if this is true at all, but the internet says it. And so... Because he is Jake in the fullest sense, at least to my knowledge, <laughs> as far as I can tell, then he is the Jake that is in the top 10 Jakes list. I like it. So that is coming in at uh, number five. And just because he set the stage for Jakes everywhere uh, that we wear khakis. Number four, you called it out earlier, country music singer, Jake Owen. All right. Listen, Jake Owen's all about the vibes. He's just super chill, dude. Do you know Jake Owen? Do you know any of his songs? Yeah, I don't like Jake Owen. I'm going to be you honest. You don't like Jake Owen? I don't like Jake Owen. He is a little bro country, a little too bro country yeah. for, for my taste. Yeah. So I'm not going to say I love everything he does, but in terms of we're just talking about Jake's here. Sure. He's, he's done a lot. probably the most musically accomplished Jake that I'm aware of. I could be wrong on that. He's blazed a lot of trails for your kind, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but soft spot in my heart for country music. People are going to cringe at that statement, but nonetheless, that's where I am. And uh, he's just kind of a summertime fun dude. And uh, short-haired Jake had some really good summer hits that whether it was good music or not, back in high school, man, we were listening to it had the top down on the Jeep and we were, we were blaring it. So Jake Owen, number four, come at me. Number three, coming back to our roots in the baseball world, Jake Peavy. Yes. Jake Peavy, like Jake Arietta, like just kind of took me back to that time. I'm like, dude, Jake Peavy was a great pitcher. Like he yeah. was really good. He won two world series. He was a three time all-star he got the triple crown. He's a Cy Young winner. And if I'm not mistaken, he's somewhere, I mean, not like in the hundreds and hundreds on, on the top winners list in terms of winningest starting pitchers. He's not like he was a he was a big WBC guy, right? I that's think. a good question. Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, you it was more of a statement. Um, but I'm saying it's a question because I'm just not sure. I, I think he was. I think he was in on some World Baseball Classic teams. But, yeah, he w- he had an incredible career. He that did goes... play on the, the BC team. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, he kind of an underrated career. Yeah. But, again, like I said, he, he, he won a Cy Young for you to do that. I mean, that puts you in a certain tier. Yeah. And those days, especially with the Padres, I mean, some of his ERAs that led league 227 – Two five four, 
I mean, led the league in strikeouts one year with 216, another with 240. That was his Cy Young year, if I'm not mistaken. Had 19 wins in that same season. I mean, he was a baller. Like, he, yeah. he could toss the pill. Oh, yeah. And not to, you know, scoff at that he played for 15 years. I mean, played until he was 35. Not everybody gets to do that. And so I've got Jake Peavy there at number three. Let us not forget. All right, number two is Jake Gyllenhaal. Ooh, yeah. Many would have petitioned for him to be number one on this list, but I have him at number two. It'll all make sense in a minute. Uh, but Jake Gyllenhaal, incredibly just, you know, well-noted, accomplished actor, um, had long-term success for sure. And I don't know a lot about him, but he just seems like a chill dude to me. He just seems like a cool guy, old Hall does. Sure. You don't think so? Am I missing something? I think he I think he kills people. You think he kills people? Like I, you really, really think that? Or he gives me that uh oh vibe. Oh no. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. He, like he seems like he is a cool guy, but he's also like really good at killing people. Mm. and not getting caught. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. He just gives me that vibe just the slightest little bit. Maybe it was okay. his Nightcrawler performance. I don't know. Um, he he seems pretty method. He's very method, yes. So maybe that's just it. Maybe got a little too much into it there. Nightcrawler was the first Jake Gyllenhaal movie I ever saw. Sure. So that probably did a lot for it, too. And yeah, that was well, about know, a man who was a psycho. Like, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he made you think that he's killed people, then I guess technically he did his job right. Yes. He's very good at his job. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. But I have um, seen him in interviews and stuff, and he just gives me that vibe of like, he's just like vibing out all day, and then he's just going to like throw the black gloves on and go, go get, go catch a body, but not in that way. Um, <laughs> One that, that he fell himself. Like, I'd like to open his car trunk and just see. Just to check. I don't know. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Um, let us not forget the treasure that was October Sky. Did you never watch October oh, Sky? We watched that in school. That's what I was going to say. You that know, was a we great watched movie. it in science class at least once or twice. It was actually a really good movie. It was. It yeah. was. And so uh, got him in here. He's been nominated for an Academy Award two Golden Globe Awards, three British Film Academy Awards, and three Screen Actor Guild Awards. So he's, he's recognized, well-known in the industry, and opposed to your take, I, I thought he seemed like a pretty cool dude. And he was um, the he was the villain in that Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's he's, good. He's, he's done he's a good. lot of stuff. Yeah, he's a good. A lot of stuff. So um, certainly one of the most popular Jakes to be out there. But not the most popular, in my opinion. Well, the Swifties hate him. Well, yeah, the Swifties hate him, but the Swifties hate a lot of people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Number one on the list of top ten Jakes. You know this because you busted my bubble uh, off air last week. It is Jake the Snake yes. Roberts. Listen, listen here now. Listen. I played organized sports Growing up as a child, I was not great at it. But 
when your name is Jacob or Jake, you are now adopted into this just automatic nickname of of Jake the Snake. Like I wasn't a world beater, that's for sure. We're sitting here talking tonight. Clearly didn't work out for me, but you automatically it was Jake the Snake. What's going on, Jake the Snake? Jake the Snake. He he paved the way for all the Jakes that would come after him. So Jake the Snake Roberts, number one, and a, a great wrestler, might I add. I mean, he's also build wise. Get get this, get this. They build him out, Stone Mountain, Georgia. Oh Come wow! On now. Come on. So a uh, l- little bit of local ties here as well. Um, yeah, man, he's one of the one of the the greats from that era. There, um, you hear wrestling. You think about Jake the Snake Roberts. Are you a Are you a wrestling guy? I used to be. Used to be. Okay. I used to be. So not that I don't. Not that I'm. I'm like downing it or anything. Uh, but I have. I am not, and have never been a wrestling guy. So when I said Jake the Snake last week, I was referring to former NFL quarterback Jake Plummer. I'm angry now. I'm sorry. I was on the complete opposite page as you. Um, oh my gosh! No. So that's my bad. But Jake Roberts seems like a cool guy. Seems like you, you need to go look up some stuff, man. <laughs> he 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 was. Uh, he, he you know he's not necessarily doing his thing anymore, but in his in his prime, yeah. And he's he's still going. He's sixty eight, but um. You you need to educate yourself. Yeah, sorry, dude. And I, now that I'm looking at it, I think uh, Jake Plummer got the nickname Jake the Snake because of Jake Roberts. You just proved my point. Thank you so much. Yes. Uh, so I missed an entire era of a topic. Uh, so that's my bad. Well, I'm glad that I could educate you yes, on this. You. You. Um, I mean, just think about it. This guy would walk out with, a, a python, okay, in a burlap sack, like an actual snake. This, this is what he did. Um, and again, like I mentioned, he wrestled with the Georgia champion uh, championship wrestling uh, crew, so that was pretty cool. The DDT patented by Jake the Snake Roberts. You won't get that because you're not a wrestling dude. But yeah, sorry, dude. It's all right. It's okay. Um, still a pretty iconic finisher there if you would um but yeah jake the snake roberts is our guy he uh as in jake Plummer's case gave us all a great nickname that we were just the happy beneficiaries of having done nothing of ourselves to earn it jake the snake roberts pretty cool guy so he is the number one jake also he uh he had a brief time where he's doing spoken word Oh, on a, on a tour back in 2018. So, huh. how about that? How cultured do you get? Other than that, I just got very cultured. So I appreciate that. You're you're very welcome, and I'm gonna send you some highlights now. Yes, because you 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 need to know. You need to you need to. By the way, just so the people can understand our relationship, you need to give me some Instagram reels and in, in our thread from time to time. I'm sending you stuff all the time. And I, it, it, and you don't respond. I just feel like I'm annoying you. I always <laughs> respond. 
You always respond, but you, I, you need to you need to send videos my way. Okay, I'll do a better job. No, it's okay. Do what you. My my algorithm is very very specific, <laughs> and is not, um, unfortunately, as sports heavy as yours. So I feel, you know, as though I don't always have good things to contribute. But I'll try. I'll try. I'm open to everything. I'll, I'll send you some Jake the Snake Roberts reels. Yeah, yeah send me some Jake. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. WWE Hall of Famer as well. Needed to include that. Um, yeah, no, my, mine is very specific, especially if you are married with children. So many, so many reels, mainly reels talking about how once the kids go to bed, all that the couple does is sit there and send reels to each other on the other sides of the couch. And it's very accurate. So... I will I will pick some others and and send them your way. <laughs> so I got to look forward to. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll get you some stuff. Um, Jake Snake Roberts though, number one, top ten Jakes, live it, breathe it, love it. Well, speaking of reels though, too, Dan, I'm gonna be sending you some lunch hour sports show reels. Really? Again, we got some reels coming out. We got some stuff on the socials. It's super funny. It's what, you know, we want you to share this podcast with everybody. And they're like, okay, yeah, another guy telling me a podcast to listen to. Sure. You send them that little reel. You just give them that little taste. You know, if we're the lunch hour, you give them a little nibble. And and, and that's going to get them. They're, they're going to come on. And they're going to want the whole meal. They're going to have, they're going to get the combo. Okay. That's right. They're not just going to get the sandwich. They're going to get the whole thing. So follow us on the socials. Send those reels to your folks. You won't be sad that you did. Send him to Dan because he's not getting enough reels from me. Yeah, send him to me. <laughs> well, we love it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much, as always, for checking out the Lunch Hour Sports Show. Hope that you are full. You are now filled having listened to this. And, you know, keep it on the maybe not so spooky side, but everybody enjoy your Halloween. Um I hope that your teams, respectively, are not frightened by whatever comes their way. But it's a spooky world out there. So this is me, your Captain Jake. Oh, my gosh. Saying so long for now, lads. As we set sail on the seven seas. All right, I'm going to go walk the plank. Uh, Everyone, have a great week. Uh, thanks for coming to the table. <laughs> There's nobody in that. It's fine. <laughs> See you guys next week.